Two more turns for the Bass Pro Shops. Night race. Chris Busher will win his second Cup Series race, and it happens in Bristol. That's awesome. Good job, guys. Hello and welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are breaking down a Bristol night race and a little bit surprising the way that it went down and the way that I am looking back on it. So we'll recap everything that went down at Bristol with my take on it. And then we'll talk briefly about the playoff picture and maybe some title picks. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about what the rest of the season has in store for us as far as the round of 12. And then we will move ahead and talk about Texas. There's uh, a lot to talk about. Good, bad, and ugly. We are going to get to all of it. Talk about some picks outright. And our strategy this week, I'm kind of going a Goldilocks situation, so stay tuned if you don't know what I'm talking about with that. Um, But in addition to that, taking a couple swings later in the finishing position area. Got some uh, things that I'm calling out there that are a little bit longer. And then at the end of the podcast, we have a new guest for the first time. I'm bringing on Seth Wilcock from In Between Media. You probably know Seth if you are a NASCAR gambler. He's been in the space for a while now, and uh, well, he joins me to break down Texas, and we'll see what we come back with with a full tank face-off. He you know, jumps out to a lead on me in the full tank face-off, so you'll have to see what I'm talking about when we get to that. So, great episode. We will get to everything, but we have to start with Bristol because Bristol Night Race means something to me. When I think about it, I mean, you probably heard my excitement last week on the podcast. If you listened, I was just, you know, teeming with excitement. And now, on the other end of that race, I am, you know, a little let down, honestly, by my favorite race because it was just not what I expected. Um, and I listened to the full teardown podcast because of, you know, I wanted to hear what those guys thought of it and everything that they were saying, you know, reflected exactly my thoughts on the racing on the track. We're going to get to the bets here in just a second, but, um, the, the racing just did not live up to the hype. If I were to have, you know, had a bunch of people over and trying to get them in a NASCAR, you know, I, I kept calling it a crown jewel race because it is, you know, I, I don't think Saturday night changes that. Um, but you didn't have that competitiveness that you've seen in the past. Really low tire wear, then tires blowing left and right, engine failures, uh, just, you know, the real excitement came from whether or not we're going to have a tire go down, not actual racing on the track. So it was a little let down by that. But uh, hey, we'll talk about the winner, Chris Busher. I think he turned some heads and maybe that swings the, the tide because uh, the Jeff Gluck poll was it a good race. 60% of the people said it was. And I was shocked by that. I thought it would be a little bit lower than that. But maybe Chris Busher has something to do with the people coming out and saying that they liked that race. Props to anyone who had Chris Busher 
as an outright with a pretty long ticket. So we got to love that. Our our buddies Speedway Steve, um, they are going to be joining the podcast in a few weeks. We had connected with them. They are you know red hot right now with their picks. They hit um, Chris Buescher as a 150 to one shot. So we got to love that. There were some other people out there that had 125 to one. Um, our guy Skybox Mark had a live ticket. He was at Bristol with Rory and he had a Chris Busher pick as well. Live ticket that he was holding on to. So, uh, he posted that in our group chat as the race was going down and that inspired me. I just had to hop on to my account and I took Busher live. A lot of the bets that I was, you know, keen on, which we're going to get to in a second, were already dead. And I just threw a ton on Chris Busher plus 150. I have never done that before in a live bet, uh, taking such short odds. But there really wasn't any way he was going to lose that race unless a tire were to go down. So um, Skybox, you know, he gave me the inspiration. Uh, the fact that he had the ticket, I had to see if I could still get him live, which I could. So I kind of bailed myself out there live, which is another you know reason we talked about it. Betting live is something that is important um, if you are able to watch it, not DVR. So uh, the question that I had, though, with Busher, you know, obviously he wins the race. Good for him. Non-playoff driver. That's the big story, right? Three times, not a single playoff driver won in the first round of the playoffs. That is just insane to me. But hats off to Busher. Hats off to the seven team. Hat, 17 team, excuse me. Hats off to RFK Racing because Brad looked great in that race at times as well. He had a tire go down, causing his race to be, you know, upended. And there were some inconsistencies with the cautions being thrown, and he was a victim of that. Um, so, you know, it was another reason to kind of question whether you thought the race was good or not. Some guys would have cautions when their tires blown. Others did not. Brad did not. So he, you know, did not uh, really recover from that incident, unlike somebody like Christopher Bell, who did get a caution and he was able to recover for a top five finish. Um, I digress. Busher. On that final pit stop, they take two tires. They get out in front, and no one can catch them. So my question is, why didn't anyone else think to take two tires? Why was Chris Busher the only driver in the field, or maybe there were further down, you know, contending for the win, though, taking two tires? Because we saw all race tires really meant nothing. I mean, Kozlowski ran forever on old tires and was able to keep the lead for essentially the whole stage one. So I don't know if these crew chiefs were scared of tires blowing because they were happening, you know, left and right, but it normally happened, you know, later in the run, there wasn't that many laps left. I don't think maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, I don't remember. I was drinking um, and I don't remember Busher's run being that long, but it definitely could have been the, the point being tires did not mean anything. It wasn't like Darlington where we had low or high tire wear. This was low tire wear until it just completely went, and then it was gone, and it blows, and then your, your race is uh, majorly impacted. But I was shocked to see that some of these other guys didn't take a swing like that. We It wasn't like it just came out of nowhere. We saw the data, all race, and no one wanted to pull the trigger. No one had the balls to do what the 17 team did, and they are you know, getting the spoils now. So that was, 
you know, hats off to them. Like I said, good for them. But the race overall, you know, you're looking at, there were only six leaders in the entire race. We talked about how it's a long race. You know, you're going to see the battles out there. You're going to see some wrecking. There were 12 lead changes. Only two of them took place on the racetrack. And one of them was, you know, Ryan Blaney in the first few laps there. So that uh, really is not the recipe for a great race. And like I was saying, the excitement really came from whether your guy was leading or maybe he was like second or third and you were rooting against the leader. You were hoping for or against a tire to go down after a while, right? Because it was happening to everyone. You know, guys had multiple tires going down. Austin Sindrick, Harrison Burton, like guys just you know, losing it and no fault of the drivers. So that was tough to see. Then there was only one real wreck and it was a catastrophic wreck for playoff drivers. Daniel Suarez, a playoff driver, wrecks. And, you know, he was battling in a ridiculous race car all race long. It was bumping up and down and he was just struggling to hang on to it. He didn't and took out both RCR cars and ended their seasons, essentially. Austin Dillon, who I had a huge bet on to beat Chase Briscoe pre-qualifying, and Briscoe put it um, on the outside pole. Meanwhile, Dillon qualified 28th. I doubled down. I took the, the plus 220 number in that head-to-head matchup. And, you know, I, I went in for it again because I just had that much faith in Dylan. And lo and behold, he was driving up there. He was battling, making his way through. Meanwhile, Briscoe was falling back. And I, you know, they were right there, right next to each other. And Dylan gets hit by Suarez. That was devastating to me. Huge part of my night, huge part of my race. I, that was one bet that I really, truly believed in. And it just gets wiped out because Suarez can't hold on to his car. Um, wipes out Reddick as well, who was a championship favorite at some points this season. And, you know, he was also looking like he would make it at that point. And Suarez wrecks them both. And then Suarez makes it in. So very interesting. Uh, and then obviously the drama with Kyle Busch. You know, he wrecks, but he's still technically in. And then Austin Sindrick makes up all of the, the spots that he needed to bump Bush out by two spots. So uh, we lost Harvick, Bush, Reddick and Dylan in this round. And I would say three of those guys were major players for the championship at some point in this year. So a lot of people had their future bets um, killed with this cutoff race at Bristol. So Jeff Gluck and uh, Jordan Bianchi called it out. Jordan Bianchi, uh, friend of the program, by the way, no big deal. Um, Next-gen cars. I mean, we have to have concern for next-gen cars on these short tracks because they're doubling down on short tracks, right? Auto Club's going to be a short track in the near future. We're going to North Wilkes-Barre next year. We, we had, as a sport, everyone, you know, through the early 2000s and 2010s kind of migrate to the mile and a half. Now everyone's calling for more short tracks. You're getting it, and now you have a vehicle that can't perform because we saw the disaster at Martinsville earlier this year. Richmond's been a snooze fest. Um, Bristol, you know, that's the one thing we were really looking forward to that had the problems that we called out. So now we're going back to Martinsville in a little bit. It's a big, big test. You know, our eyes are going to be on it. What's it going to bring to the table for that race and the implications around it being the last race before the championship, even bigger. So uh, I'm a little concerned as a fan 
that NASCAR has something that they you know really can't contain at this point, and that's next-gen cars not being good on the tracks that we want them to be good at. So um, in any case, we'll move forward. we got 12 drivers left, and the, the title odds, you know, if you're looking at the title uh, championship picks, kind of breaking guys into three different groups. You've got the favorites who were anywhere from like chases like three to one or, or 350 plus 350. Then you got, you know, Larson, Hamlin. They're, you know, up to maybe six to one. I, I took Hamlin at six to one at Caesars. Uh, thanks to our guys in our, our Twitter chat. Um, you know, shout out those guys. But, you know, after that, it kind of drops to like the nine to one range, the 10 to one range. That's where you're going to find the Loganos of the world. Now, the, the guy that I'm really high on this week is Christopher Bell. Um, and he, you know, is available at nine to one to win the championship. I'm going to talk a lot about him on this episode. Um, so I'm knocking on wood. I'm crossing fingers and toes this week that nothing happens to him because, you know, I'm kind of believing in him and what he's bringing to the table. We'll talk about him in a little bit for the outrights, but then as far as the championship bets are concerned, it kind of really drops off. You know, you're looking at guys plus 5,000, the, the Suarez's, the Austin Cendricks, the Briscoes. Um, so that's why I'm saying there's kind of three groups, the, the favorites, the little bit more than favorites, and then way down there. Um, so interesting to see, you know, is anybody going to be trying to take a huge swing on some of these championship pots? Because your gut would tell you, no, why would I want to do that? But if you're looking at what's happening on the racetrack, holy cow. These guys are coming out of nowhere. 150 to one winning last week. We had Jones winning Darlington. I mean, you know, we had uh, some inclination there, but you know, Bubba Wallace again. Tea leaves were there, but the craziness is unfolding. So why wouldn't the champion be uh, a little bit more of a crazy champion? I guess. So uh, who's to say? You know, it could take a swing at some of these longer shots, and we'll see what happens. It could hit. That's all I'm saying. So. We will then move to Texas, what is quite possibly the most boring racetrack in the circuit. And I don't say that with glee, right? I'm not hating on Texas because it's fun to hate on Texas. I don't like doing it. Um, I am just a, a downer. I, it scorned me. And I've told this story in the past, but we were taking a trip, a work trip um, through Texas. We were in, you know, Houston, and we were heading up to Texas A&M, and I had work people with me, work friends, and we were out drinking in Houston, and it was a Texas night race, and I was like, guys, I love NASCAR, you know, give this race a look for me, and it was a boring race. Jimmy Johnson won, like, running away. It wasn't even close, and I, I, there's a chance to really, like, maybe get somebody in a NASCAR, and instead, they were just like, you know, okay where are we going next? This is, this is awful. Turn this shit off. Um, so kind of scorned Texas, um, because of that, but you know, I'm a Pocono local, right? I'm a, pa- a fan of Pocono. So I get it. If people want to hate on Pocono, I understand that. Um, I'm not trying to hate on Texas because, you know, I hate the, the state or anything like that. I love Texas. Uh, but fact of the matter is the racing hasn't been good. So the all-star race was an opportunity to say, hey, maybe, you know, the, the next-gen car can bring something to Texas, too. Because these mile-and-a-halves have been interesting, right? That's the funny thing. We talked about how the short tracks are bad. The mile-and-a-halves have been really good. 
for the most part. Entertaining for the most part. And the All-Star Race, well, came up short uh, in a lot of people's eyes. It was a very poorly rated uh, race in the Jeff Gluck poll. It might be the worst one this year. I, I don't remember. I think it's 11%. But um, not great. And, you know, so that doesn't help the fact that Texas has been boring, you know, at least since the repave, probably before that. And you think, okay, well, this new car is going to do something, and it just completely comes up short. So that's that's upsetting, um, but it's just not going great. So they're talking maybe a reconfiguration. How are they going to make this interesting for the fans if they want to keep that race? Because they've already lost one race. Um, you know, you don't want to lose another one. I mean, I think NASCAR has to be in that market, so you can't lose that. But what are they going to do? They're talking about a reconfig. Um, I've got my ear to the ground on that one because I would love to hear what they're going to try to do there. Um, so let's get to some track stats since we're just ripping on this track. 41 races in the Cup Series lifetime for Texas Motor Speedway. The winner has started from the pole five times. Kyle Larson was the last one to do it just a year ago. And these stats do not include the all-star races that were at this track. Top five, the winner has started there 56% of the time. And the top 10, 78% of the time. So starting position matters just like it does. I mean, I would say that is kind of lining up with most tracks. Outside of the top 20, the winner has started there six times. The last time it happened was oh, my boy, Austin Dillon, in 20. 20. He's out of the running now. I really was uh, thinking that he could maybe shock some people at this track. But moving forward, the manufacturer trends, well, there really isn't one. Um, it's kind of an easy split. You know, in the last 10 races, four for Toyota, three for Ford, three for Chevy. If you're kind of looking at more of a pattern here, it would tell you that Ford is kind of the next one up. But uh, not really much to pull from as far as who's been dominating at this track. It's been a pretty, you know, cordial competition between these three manufacturers. So uh, that does not mean that there isn't a manufacturer with a advantage this weekend. And we are going to talk about that in spades here in just a second. So uh, how are we betting this race? What are we using for the data? Well, first thing that I'm looking at is the last nine races at Texas, not including the all-star race. All right. I may reference the all-star race in certain forms, but I'm not including that in the stats. So when I'm ripping off, you know, one top 10 or, or you know, five top 15s, that type of thing, we're not talking about the all-star race just because you can't include that. It's apples to oranges um, because of the open and, you know, then the all-star race and the fact that they invert the field and all that. Um, so, Nine races at Texas, that brings us back to around 2017. That's right after the repave. So I think that's a pretty decent set of races and uh, for a good reason. Then I really want to look at 2022 because it makes a lot of sense to do so. Uh, and you have this data, you got to use it to your advantage, right? If it's a boring race, that typically could mean that the gambler has an advantage because it's a little bit more predictable um, normally. So Four comp tracks. We're lucky to have this. Two races from Kansas, one at Charlotte, one at Vegas. Those are, you know, other high-speed mile-and-a-half racetracks. That's good comparison racetracks. So we're happy to have those numbers to riff off of. We'll talk about things like green flag speed at those, uh, and we'll also talk about average finish and how guys have fared. Some information here about the 
tires. So another reason why the all-star race isn't necessarily a, a one-to-one comparison, they are not using the same tire codes that they were at the all-star race. They're actually using the same ones that they used at Kansas two weeks back, and they will be reusing those at Vegas coming up as well. So Kansas um, just a little bit ago was a even more of a reason to look at that tire. So with that, talk about the betting aspect of things here. Denny Hamlin is going off as your favorite. I'm not going to call out the favorite. The favorite has not won in quite some time. I will be throwing some money on Denny in some different ways this week, but I'm not taking him to win the race. I'm looking a little bit further down. I mentioned Goldilocks, right? This is where I'm kind of looking at, you know, a little short, little in the middle, and then a, a longer shot, right? Because these longer shots are hitting. I want to get in on this stuff. These guys are hitting the, the super long odds. So I'm talking about uh, a, three different drivers who are in different ranges here with the odds. So we're going to start with Christopher Bell, plus 700. This is somebody that I really, really like this weekend and beyond. So he had a fantastic first round. Three straight top five finishes for Christopher Bell. Just couldn't script it any better. I mean, maybe, you know, he doesn't blow a tire and he gets a win at Bristol, but who cares? You're locked in, just win in advance. Maybe that would have helped with some playoff points, but um, he goes from being first in points to further down because things reset. That does not wipe away the fact that his current form is just phenomenal. So those three top fives, but he's also got five of the last six races in the top ten as well. So at Texas, his career stats, well, not an extensive set of information here. He's only got three career starts in the Cup Series, but two of them have been in the top five. It's his most recent two starts, two third-place finishes. So the fact that there's most recent tells you he's kind of figuring this out a little bit. His average finish is 9.0. That's compared to everyone else's last nine races. That puts him at third. So that's including a you know really disastrous first race here at Texas. So the fact that his average finish is 9.0, you know, really tells you he's starting to figure it out. So with that minimal experience, the fact that it's good, that's a good sign, right? Check mark there. Looking at 2022, he's been really good at the mile and a half tracks. His record is uh, really speaking for itself here because he's one of three drivers who have four for four top 10 finishes at these comp tracks. His average finish this season on those four comps, 5.8. That's second to only Kyle Larson, and his average starting position is 2.3. We're going to talk on Derek's show Wednesday night about, you know, kind of best bets or things that you like. I'm going to bring this up because as soon as I saw this, it was Sunday afternoon, I started digging into some stats. And I saw that and thought immediately of our guy, Ryan Stevens, who loves the bets for qualifying 2.3. He opened at plus 800 to win the poll. I am all over that. He's two for four as the poll winner on these contracts this year. 2.3. He's going to give you a shot. I don't particularly love betting the, the qualifying bets. I don't find them particularly fun to watch. It's a little bit, you know. Super stressful and then it's over kind of deal. But I'm taking this from a strictly you-have-to-do-it standpoint. Um, So the fact that he starts well at these tracks is going to put him in good position to get out front and avoid the chaos. And that's clearly why he's had success at these tracks this year. Green flag speed, he's tied for fourth. 
and his green flag speed at Kansas was second. So he is coming alive, and Toyota has been great at these mile and a half, as we're going to talk about later. So all of those things round into Christopher Bell being just my favorite outright pick right now at plus 700. I really think he's going to bring it, so we'll find out. My next driver. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, you're probably going to say to yourself, dude, what are you doing? Stop leading me down this path. But, hey, my hand is up here. I can't quit him. It's Ryan Blaney. He's 10-1. to 1. I would have thought that we were going to get Blaney at like 7-1 just like Christopher Bell, in which case I probably would have passed, right? But 10-1 to 1, plus 1,000, I can't do it. I can't quit him at that number because it seemed like so, – so, Looking at Blaney as a whole, I think the criticism of him is like he just can't finish races and, you know, he just hasn't been that guy, doesn't have the win yet this year. And all of those things are correct. But I'm seeing maybe I'm a little biased because I have a championship future on him, but I am seeing flashes of what Ryan Blaney could be. And last week was a microcosm of that. You look at the stats and he's 30th. Right, You just look at the, the face value, where he finished, 30th, a bunch of laps down. But if you were watching that race and you really dig into it, that car was fast. And that tells you that that team can really figure it out. Now, he was a victim of Goodyear, blew a tire, and then they had a wheel fall off, and that was all she wrote for the 12 team. But he was one of the two passes on the track for the lead. Like he got up there quick and I was like licking my chops. Like, yes, here we go. Blaney, this is his, you know, coming out party. He's going to lock himself in. Now he had enough points, you know, thanks for him. Thankfully for him to lock himself in, even with all of that chaos that happened to him. But the car was fast. That's all I need to say. All right. You know, you're looking at his playoff round as a whole. He was good enough, and the car shows flashes of greatness. And if they can just learn and figure it out and stay out of their own way, this is a team that could go places, and this is a driver that has the ability to do it starting this week because he's starting to stabilize a little bit as far as getting that you know natural speed. So then let's look at his stats at Texas. Last nine Texas starts three top fives, seven top tens. His average finish is 9.7. That's good enough for sixth out of everyone. But if you look at his driver rating, you know I love this. When his average finish is six, but his driver rating is second, 115.5. That is encouraging because, again, it's that same thing. It's telling you that they have the car. Things are happening potentially outside of their control that are preventing them from getting the good finishes. So, uh, 2022, how is that looking for Blaney? Because everyone's down on him this year, right? Well, his average finish, well, they're good to be not down on him. He's not great. He's got two crashes. 21.5 is his average finish. Maybe this is the stat that's bringing us down to this 10 to 1 number. But the car has had speed in most of those races. His green flag speed in all those comp tracks, mile and a half. This year, he's third in green flag speed. So he's there. His most recent race at Kansas, he was fifth. He finished ninth in that race. So there are reasons to be encouraged. Again, same tires as that race. Very fast car. You know, things didn't shake out with the pit stops and everything, and, and Bubba ran away with that one. But and we talked about the All-Star race. He was your winner 
of the All-Star Race. That's the only real thing I'm going to call out because the fact that he was able to go out, get it done at this racetrack, and now we're coming back to it, you know, I'll call that out because if you're someone who says, well, you know, who gives a shit, dude? He won the All-Star Race. That's nothing. Well, a year ago, Kyle Larson won the All-Star Race and then won the fall race here in the playoffs. So I think that slight topic is worth a small amount of value uh, to call out. He has that, you know, victory lane. He knows where it is this season. So plus 1,000, Ryan Blaney, I think it's worth it. And, you know, we'll see where he qualifies. I, I don't know how he's going to shake out on race day. So I want to grab him at 10 to 1 in case he does go down and uh, qualifies well. But Blaney, I like it. Lock it in. The last guy that I'm calling out is my longer shot. And I you know, feel decent about this longer shot. I feel like we're stealing this here with this guy. It's Alex Bowman. He's 25 to 1 plus 2,500. So if you're looking for a longer shot, look no further, fella. You found him. All right. Seven starts at Texas, two top fives and two top tens. So he's either kind of good here, which is really good, or he's bad and kind of really bad. Now, he does have a, a bit of a pattern at Texas for those of you who like patterns, because when you're looking at his last four finishes, all the way back to four finishes ago, fifth, then a 30th, then fifth, then 30 plus. And now we are here arriving at this race. So you would think that that pattern would continue, be top five, put himself in position to win. We'll see. How does that play out? So he's had a rough season, right? People are kind of down on Bowman. And I'm one of them. I've talked about it on the various shows that you know go on each week. But I think that there's a glimmer of hope. If you're a, a fan of that team, there is a glimmer of hope because these mile and a half this season, he's been pretty good. All right. His rough season is not happening at these tracks. Good races for the mile and a half comp tracks. Four races, one win at Vegas, two top fives, and four top tens. Remember I said there's only three drivers in the field that have done that? Four for four top tens? It's him, it's Bell, and it's Larson. Pretty good company. His green flag speed is ninth. He was fifth, tied for fifth with Blaney at Kansas just a couple weeks ago, and he led 104 laps in that race. All right, his average finish on the four comp tracks is 6.0, which is third. So why is he so far down? I remember talking about this with everyone on the NASCAR betting preview show on Wednesday nights saying, you know, why wouldn't we take Bowman for a top 10 at this racetrack? His current 2022 numbers are pointing that direction. And then he's going out and he's leading laps. I thought we were going to hit a big ticket there with Bowman. He, he was going off at like plus 700 on race day. So I would snag him while you can because I can't see him getting any further down, right? His numbers at this track are, are very good. Top 10 on DraftKings is minus 110. So once Barstool drops theirs, I would imagine he'll be plus money. So I would be in on that bet. If he was like plus 105, you know, lock me in for that um, to keep that going. And the interesting thing, two weeks ago at Kansas, most fastest laps with 34 fastest laps. If that stat means anything to you, then you would love that to ride this long shot plus 2,500. If Bowman can go out there, get this done, cash this huge ticket, which, 
huge tickets are being cashed left and right. You know, why are we scared of putting this bet in? Uh, now he's locked in to the next round where he'll be going to Vegas where he won earlier this season. Hey, there, there's a chance for this team. So uh, lock me in. I want a piece of this long shot and, you know, the top 10 as well be my segue into the finishing position bets here in just a second. So to recap my picks here, Christopher Bell plus 700. We're going Ryan Blaney plus 1,000 and Alex Bowman plus 2,500. Let's go. Firm but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. All right, so now we'll get to the finishing position portion of the podcast, and this is where we try to find some top fives, top tens, or any of the weekly specials that we like to pick on here. And I'm going to call out a couple, and then I'm going to do kind of a rapid fire for the weekly specials on bets that I am very much interested in. We'll see if I'm locking any in or just kind of a lean at this point as I talk them through. But um, picks that I am in on, and one of these is an absolute moonshot. But we'll start with Martin Truex Jr. to finish top five. He's plus 125. All right. Now, give me the Toyotas. The, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about them in about five, ten minutes. But, you know, he's a part of that camp. I know he's not part of the, the playoffs anymore or at all. But he's still someone to kind of keep your eye on. He's not just driving around in the back. You know, mine is P's and Q's. I think he's somebody who's got some pride on the line here. So lock me in here for plus 125 at this number. Now, in his last nine Texas races, he's got two top fives, five top tens. His average finish is 14.4, but his driver rating is fifth in that time span. So, you know, that is what I'm looking for here is the fact that his driver rating um, is is better than what his average finish is telling me. A little bit more value here than you know some of these other guys like Denny Hamlin to finish top five. He's like minus one forty. I, I don't want that smoke. I want plus money when we're talking about these finishing positions. Um, so it seems like he's either very good at Texas or very bad if you're looking at his history here, especially in the last nine races. So. Looking at 2022, right? That's where your mind goes next. You know, here are the stats for Texas. Okay, well, how has he been this season at these comp tracks? And he's been pretty solid. Fourth in green flag speed on the mile and a half. Average finish is 7.8. That's what we're looking for. You just need to be in the top 10, baby. Three of the four tracks he finished in the top 10. Fourth in average finish out of everyone in NASCAR on these tracks. Um, now, the thing about it is... He hasn't been out front very much, but we don't care about that. We're not taking Truex to win the damn race. We just need him to kind of play his part, be there, and finish in that top five. So that's why I feel like top five is a much better pick than him winning the race at plus 1,000. You know, that's why we're taking somebody like Blaney as a better shot to win the race, kind of going all out. And Truex um, not showing the out front speed that we would see from some of these other guys. So top five is where we can get Truex at a plus money number. So I'm going to take that shot while I can. So Martin Truex, you know, staying alive for me here. We'll see if he can get it done. Now the next one is an absolute moonshot. So shout out Mark in Mississippi, moonshot. Uh, this is a plus 700 number for someone to finish in the top 10. 
and it's Ricky Stenthouse Jr. All right. Odds make it seem crazy. You look at his name, you look at the odds, plus 700 for a top 10, and you probably go, oh, well, you know, he sucks. Move forward. Not the case. Let me let me try to build a case here for you for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to finish in the top 10. His last nine races at Texas, he does not have a top 10. He's got five top 15s. That includes a 12th, an 11th, and another 12th. So he's not in the top 10, but he's you know, hovering around it. In 2022, though, that's really where I want to focus because it's the next-gen car. How is Ricky faring here? His green flag speed would tell you, well, really not that great. He's 17th in that category, but he's had two top 10 finishes, Kansas the first time around and Charlotte. And Kansas, too, just a few weeks back, he was running in the top 10 for a lot of that race that he was a part of. He was in the top 15, 67 laps, and then he wrecked at lap like I don't know, 110 or something like that. And um, he was out of the race at that point. You know, he finished a couple laps down. He did not have a chance to really get back up there. But the fact of the matter is he had a fast car. He was competing earlier in that race, in that first stage, early second stage. The car had the speed. And that is surprising to me, you know, in that same race, Kansas, where we're going with the same tires from just a couple weeks ago, he had 15 fastest laps in that race, and only six drivers had more than him in that race. So the point is, he can be fast at these types of tracks. He will not qualify well. I can guarantee you that Ricky Stenhouse is not going to qualify well. So this number, you know, maybe it stays at plus 700, maybe it gets even worse because his average qualifying is like 26 or something like that this season on these style tracks. But I think that he has shown the ability to come through the field. He doesn't have very many top 10s this season. He's got two of them at this style racetrack, and he ran well here before getting into trouble um, in Kansas a couple weeks ago. Plus 700, that number is just pounding in my head. I would hate to avoid this, especially with the craziness that we've seen recently. Plus 700. We're taking Bell to win the damn race at that number. All I need Ricky to do is just run a decent race and finish top 10. So lock me in. It's a moonshot. I know it. I know that it's, you know, sounding crazy maybe to most people, but I think that you know, there is a case to be made. Hopefully I made it enough to get you to agree with me, but I would love to hear, you know, did I convince you or are you just, you know, hey, it's it's Recky Spinhouse, um, can't do it. But I'm locking it in at plus 700 because I don't want that number to go down. So Stenhouse plus 700, Truex plus 125 to finish top five for him. So now we're going to get to a couple of the quick hitters in the weekly specials. A couple of the books have these. Um, DraftKings is definitely the more prominent one. Sometimes Caesars and MGM pull up stats like their bets like this, rather. The first one that I want to talk about is Toyota. I've been jocking them the whole damn episode and them to finish one, two plus four fifty. We got them at Kansas two weeks ago at plus 600 and that hit easily. Uh, at Kansas second Kansas race, they finished one, two, three. So they have been the cream of the crop at these mile-and-a-half racetracks. Toyota has figured it out. Road courses, not so much. 
But if you want to look at a manufacturer trend, I know that this racetrack hasn't been dominated by Toyota. They do have four of the top or the last 10 races won, but it's not pure domination. Well, this season, mile and a half's got Toyota's fingerprints all over it. I told you they finished one, two, three at Kansas two weeks ago. They finished one, two at Charlotte. And then the first time at Kansas, if you had this bet, you were just, you know, just missed because we had a Toyota victory in that race. And then Larson came in second. Well, Toyota had five of the top six drivers. They just missed the one-two bet. But this bet is definitely worth looking at. Plus 450, these drivers, this manufacturer, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing has the mile and a half figured out better than the rest. So I think that this is a good number. Now, the one-two-three bet, that's currently only plus 400. So, you know, I, I guess that gives you all three manufacturers if somebody has uh, something figured out. Um, but I would rather just take Toyota plus one with plus 450 to finish one, two. So that's what I'm rocking with here. And for good reason. I mean, you know, they are all over the stat sheet on these mile and a half. So then some quick hitters here. These are, you know, specials that I think that we deserve better value for. But I may dabble with these. These are more leans than anything else. And they're, they're doubling up two good drivers to finish in the top five. And I told you how their top five numbers are, you know, for Hamlin, for example. You know, by himself, he's minus 140. Well, they're looping him together with Larson. I think both those guys could be competing for the win here. Um, plus 250 if they both finish in the top five. I would expect a little bit better than that, but um, it, it's still a decent bet because if this does turn into the racetrack that we think it could, right? We don't get, you know, next-gen or we don't get Goodyear and there's just chaos all over the place. Um, then Hamlin and Larson would obviously be two guys that we would expect to be running for the win. Um, now we talked about Chris Bell. You throw Chase Elliott in the mix for them to both finish in the top five. Well, plus 330 for that number, not too shabby. And, you know, they both have been strong. I've been saying about Chase, he's just been figuring out ways to get it done. And Bell's kind of in that same boat, right? He's not getting the wins, but we mentioned three top fives in a row now. So this is definitely something that has the possibility of hitting plus 330. I'd like this a lot better if it was like plus 500, but um, still good drivers here um, to, to take. So I don't hate it. Again, more of a lean than anything else. The other one, that I'm going to throw out there, and this is another thing that if you are listening and you like to interact on social media, let me know what you think about this one because it's Joey Logano and Bubba Wallace together. They both have to finish in the top five. It's plus 1,200. Now, that's the type of number, right, the type of odds that I would like. I wish that this was top 10, but it's actually top five, so big ask here. But there's a reason that I'm sort of into this here. Because if you're looking at Joey Logano, in his last nine Texas races, four top fives. He's figured out ways to get that car in the top five at Texas. And then Bubba, he won on one of the mile-and-a-half racetracks, and he's driving the forty car, the 45 car, excuse me, which has won twice this season on the mile-and-a-halves, driving in a Toyota. We just documented how they are going to be good here. They have proven that they have a track record of being good in 2022 on these types of tracks. So, yeah, I mean, very interesting to see these two guys grouped up together. But it's a 
definitely more of a longer shot. That's why we're getting plus 1,200 instead of some of these other ones like we had. But I don't know why we wouldn't expect Bubba to be up there this weekend. I mean, driving that car, that clearly is good. And, you know, the same tire as Kansas a couple weeks ago where he won. Man, he, he could be a factor. Is he flying below the radar again? I'm not letting that happen. I would take this shot. And then Logano seems to pop up at the right time. So plus 1,200. I think I'm talking myself into this. This is no longer a lean. I'm going to take a flyer, right? We're going with Bowman. It's a flyer. We're going with Stenhouse. Another one. Lock me in for this one. It's a tougher bet to hit, but um, I think it has potential. So want to... Try to see if we can cash in on some of these longer shots because that's what we've been seeing lately with this next-gen car. That's the type of results that we've been getting. So, a lot of uh, conversation there. Love to hear what you think. Am I off my rocker or not? And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But my absolute locks here, Truex, again, to repeat, top 5 plus 125. Stenhouse, plus 700. Toyota, 1-2 finish at plus 400. And then I uh, just talked myself into Bubba and Logano, top five, for plus 1,200. We're swinging for the fences here, baby. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. So now we've reached the part of the podcast where I'm bringing on a special guest, and it's a first-time guest on the pod. It's Seth Wilcock from In Between Media. Seth has had me on his show, The Back Road, on YouTube a number of times this year. He's a great person to follow, great person to know. And I got to meet him earlier this year at the live stream. So talked to him on there. said, dude, I got to get you on the show at some point to talk one of these playoff races. And I'm thankful to have him. So without further ado, here's Seth. All right. So now we are very thankful to welcome on for the first time onto the podcast. We've got Seth Wilcock from In Between Media. Seth, thanks so much for joining me tonight, man. Phil, absolute pleasure being here with you tonight, my friend. I've been a big fan of the show for a long time, so this is a delight um, and such a wonderful time of the year, man. It's getting a little cooler up here in Pennsylvania, as you know. Um, fall weather, football back, of course, and NASCAR, man, is in full swing. And after what was really a crazy, chaotic Bristol race, I don't think it's going to calm down anytime soon, my friend. No, you're right. I mean, we're, we're approaching like sports equinox season where we got like basically a little bit of everything, including yes. NASCAR and and college football and, and all the, the other stuff as they're starting up. So it's a perfect time of year. Um, and yeah, very thankful that you could come on. We're going to get into, you know, everything that you've got going on personally, you know, with the, the sports industry here um, in a second. But I, I wanted to, you know, kind of give people an idea of how we even got here. You mm -hmm. know, you had, um, I think connected with Derek first, probably picks by blaze. Correct. And, yes. um, you know, you guys had gotten in touch and then I got uh, a message from you to join the, the back road, which is the YouTube show for in between media. We're going to, we're going to get to all that in a bit here, but, um, got that message and, you know, who would have thought that from that message, we'd be sitting at a bar in Lancaster betting on Hawaii football together, you know, over some beers. Like, it's just like wild how the world works, but you know, here we are. So um, Seth was obviously a big deal, a uh, big part of the, the live stream that we did for Daytona and, you know, just a wild world, man, like how things work out. 
it's a small world, man. And the older I get, the more I learn that. And, you know, it, it was super awesome to meet you guys because I didn't know anyone really in the Pennsylvania area who was as big of a NASCAR fan, a fan degenerate gambler, all that good stuff. So thankful for it, man. And, uh, you know, it's only the beginning, my friend. That's right. So let's talk about, you know, a little bit of your background with NASCAR first. Like, you know, I, I always like to hear about how people get into the sport and then kind of migrate over to the, the gambling side of things, you know, whether it started watching young and then transferred into gambling, or maybe they kind of started at the same time later in life. How, what was your NASCAR fandom like? Yeah. So I grew up really kind of a NASCAR kid. Uh, my stepdad, he drove race cars at the local track when I was growing up. So I can remember like Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s death more vividly than I can 9-11. I was about three year old, three years old when both of them happened, but like the one was such a traumatic experience because my stepdad loved, you know, Dale. And so grew up around it. Um, one of the youngest pictures I have myself is like I'm sitting in actually like Jeff Gordon's car. It, they, they brought one of his cars to like the, the local track. And so like my brother sat in juniors. I was a Jeff kid. So that's kind of where it all started. Um, and then really like I've always been a fan of the sport, never got into the gambling or fantasy side until about 20, I want to say 2015. Um, I moved towns and I met up with a couple guys and they did a fantasy NASCAR league and it was all in, all in Excel. We still do it to this day, but it was a redraft league. Um, so that's kind of where it all started. And then uh, slowly over the last couple of years, DFS got, you know, first came to me um, as another version of fantasy NASCAR. And then eventually gambling came into it as well a couple of years ago. And ever since, man, it's just been a nonstop whirlwind. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a whirlwind that continues to, to keep picking up steam. I gotta, I gotta go back for a second though. You, you were yeah. the Jeff kid. Your, your stepdad was a, a Dale senior fan that had to, you know, rub them the wrong way. I don't know. Maybe it was Dale senior gone long enough that it didn't, uh, you know, kill him that much, you know, or, or uh, was he always still kind of a little picking at him? Yeah. You know, I, I think it was one of those funny things. Like my dad was a Jeff Gordon fan. So I think that's maybe where I got, it was from him. And I think my stepdad just always appreciated that we liked racing so much that he didn't really care who we were with. And he had my brother who was a Dale junior fan. So I think having one from the rivalry was, uh, was pretty cool in his eyes maybe as well. That's awesome. So you are, you know, the the main guy with in between media, tell me about, you know, how you concocted that, what you have going on, because you've got a, a lot of, you know, irons in the fire. You know, we're, I've been sure. a part of the, the back road, which is part of your NASCAR branch there, but you've got football and, and college football and, and a bunch of other things as well. Tell me more about that, because it's you know, I know I, we were speaking mm-hmm. about it in person, but, you know, I want to you know, hear more about it on here, um, how you got started doing that and you know, kind of where you're going with it. Yeah. So, uh, Phil, it all started back in really about 2019. Um, At this point, I just finished up being the editor-in-chief of my student newspaper at IUP. Go Hawks, baby. Um, But (laughs) uh, so it was was a weird time in life. You know, I just kind of finished this up. I just took over a newspaper and kind of turned it into a media company. It it went from a print publication to an all digital uh, publication. So we started podcasting and doing different things. That's at the point when I started writing fantasy sports content, um, started podcasting about it a little bit. Um, And then so I was going in my senior year last semester at college there, 
And I knew eventually I wanted to do something like on my own, creating fantasy sports content, combining lifestyle advice with it in some sort. Um, and then, you know, just continued to write for uh, the student newspaper, found some other fantasy football outlets to write for. Um, but then it was COVID is actually kind of the thing that gave me the green light. I got my first uh, full-time job in the industry um, out there. And I was working in a magazine company before getting laid off due to COVID. And for the first time in my life, I had some time to actually sit there and think, oh, what do I want to do? Um, and again, this was always in the plan in between media, but I was thinking I'd do it more when I'm 30, 25, you know, a lot more established in life a little bit, but COVID, you know, kind of allotted me this time. So about two days later, I went and uh, got the, the fictitious name license, business bank account, everything. And I was like, all right, we're just going to kind of send it. And really what in between media is at its core is we are the intersection of life and fantasy sports. And my team and I, we try to provide feel good lifestyle advice with our fantasy sports, with our gambling advice, whether it's football, NASCAR, or golf. Um, so 2020, we kind of got rolling. And ever since then, we just, you know, slowly built a, a bigger and bigger team. I've met, you know, just like you meeting you off Twitter, I've met so many other amazing people who have changed my life, changed my perspective on life, and have helped me build this thing from the ground up. So without them, we could not do this. My staff is amazing. And at the end of the day, man, we love fantasy sports. We love gambling on sports. We want to help people win money. We want to help them win championships. But at the end of the day, too, I mean, we just want to help people have fun, enjoy life a little more, laugh a little harder, and just soak it all in a little more. Wow. Really, uh, a, a, I mean, who could argue that kind of, uh, you know, keystone part of a, a business? You know what I mean? Like, that's tough to, to argue against winning championships, winning money and, and having fun and, yeah. and, you know, being happy while you do it. That's um, that's what it's all about. That's really cool. I mean, the I've seen a little bit behind the curtain, obviously, but I know that there's a lot more to what goes in. But, I, you know, just so people understand, you know, for anyone listening to this the amount of effort that you put in along with your girlfriend being a part of that as well. Like for the live stream that we did for Daytona, you know, we had a ton of fun. The, the, the guys right. that were just basically like talking heads up there, you know, we were just, yeah. you know, shooting the shit. You guys were running around like crazy trying to make sure everything was going to work. And it's just like, wow, this, this is not, you know, anything like I thought it was going to be, this is like serious stuff. And you know, you get a whole nother level of appreciation when you see that. And when you realize how small of a blip on the radar, like that little thing is in right. the whole, you know, world for in between media, the, the appreciation level goes up even more. So what you guys are doing is, is awesome. Um, and, and where can people find me? We'll talk about it again at the end, but like, how do people, you know, yeah. subscribe to you, get behind you, follow what you're doing and, and take part in it. So the easiest way to support us guys is go to our YouTube page in between media and over there, just hit subscribe. That's the easiest way, easiest way to help us continue to grow. Um, also the website in between media.com. We have articles right now coming out articles and columns coming about out five days a week. We got podcasts, live streams coming out a couple times a week as well. Um, so that's really the easiest way. We're also over on Twitter at IBT underscore media. I am at between underscore Seth FF. Um, but I, I appreciate that, Phil, you know, and it's definitely a lot of work, but yeah, I'm thankful for my background in journalism communications that helped me kind of get here. And at the end of the day, it's so fun to do this, man. Like, like what's, what's playing these games, what's gambling without fun. And, and that's like, 
why do we do this if it isn't fun? If it isn't fun, I think you better quit, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're taking it too seriously where, you know, your life is impacted by it in a negative way, yeah. it might be time to take a quick break. Um, exactly. you, you've dropped your, your age a few times now. You, you know, I don't know if this is a, an edge you're trying to get on me for the, <laughs> the face off later, but it's just like every time, you know, you mentioned you were three for nine 11. Like that's just like, ugh, it's a gut punch to me. Um, makes me feel super old, but, um, talking about a small world, I know that you are from originally like the state college area. And that is where I went to school in uh, state college, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, what I'd say there's probably less than 101 yeah. chance like we've crossed paths at some point, like in a restaurant, in and out or something like that. Like that's how small the world this really is. It, you know, just to, to put an exclamation point on that fact. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, we very well could have, Phil. Um, I mean, at, at this point, I'm like right down the street from where you played hockey at. So right, right up in that area. And it, it is a small world because I don't actually know that many people that went to Penn State despite living, you know, up in this area. Wow, that's yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, it's the world up there is pretty buzzing right now. We don't have to. I think I got a lot of heat last week for uh, talking a little bit too much about Penn State football, but um, <laughs> so we won't get into that this time around. Uh, but they're 14th in the country. So let's. Uh, Move to, you know, NASCAR talk now. I want to get your thoughts on Bristol because I feel like, you know, there's a number of different ways to look at that race. And I want to get your first initial gut reaction, right? You know, the Jeff Gluck poll. Was it a good race? What's your response to that? Just that's how we'll start. What's your response? Yes or no? It was a good race. It was a good race. Okay. Why? There were bad things about it, but there it was a good race. First of all, it was a quick race, three hours. Uh, 11 cautions, I think about 80 laps due to caution. So like that wasn't too bad. I love it being on a Saturday night, just as a fan. I mean, just looking at it from a fan lens, a Saturday night race, especially with the Sunday slate of NFL coming back, the Saturday night race is perfect for me. Can, can have that on, can have college football on, go back and forth. Um, There, you know, there were some bad things about it, but like, I love to see Brad win a stage. That was really cool to see him bounce back. Chris Bell just keeps it rolling, man. He dominated a lot of that race. And I mean, Chris Buescher won. So who can be upset with that? So that is the good from it. That is the good. If you want me to go on, I can tell you why I think it had some bad aspects to it as well. Well, so, you know, I I recorded my portion of the podcast before this, where I, you know, kind of give my, my takes on things and go over some winners for the upcoming race and et cetera. And, and I think I, you know, said I would say no um, because of, you know, first of all, being in the night race on Saturday night. Yes, 100 percent. That's why I love it. And I will not yeah. stop loving the Bristol night race. Um, but I have concerns about the fact and, and they broke this down on the, ta- uh, the, the teardown with uh, Jeff Gluck and, and Bianchi mm-hmm. pretty well. Concerns about short track racing with this car, like if it can make Bristol not fun. Yeah. yeah. And I've got concerns about it. And, uh, you know, two passes for the lead on the track that's, and one of them happened like in the first 30 laps. So that's also something no tire wear until the tire is officially like gone. That's another thing that just like, I don't know. It, it's just crazy. So I think I would say, no, I was surprised. I think that the poll was up to 60. So you were, you'd be one of those people who vote yes. And I was kind of wondering like, more people than not say yes. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you think it's more of just like the Bristol night race nostalgia 
or yes. or Busher winning. You know, that's a good point about Busher. I mean, it, you are definitely right to be pointing out this things. It, I mean, it was so hard to pass. We only had six different leaders. And like you said, only two really decided on the tracks. They couldn't pass up front. And that absolutely sucked. The mechanical failures, the, the, the engines, like that just sucked. But I'm an optimistic guy. That's part of our brand. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. feel like I feel like I kind of have to take the high road here. That's um, right. But, but I do agree short track racing was better with the old cars for sure. Bristol was always one of the ones that like you could barely catch your breath at. And this one, it was kind of a snoozer at times. And like once even Busher got, got the lead at the end there, I mean, sure. There were some guys making some runs towards him, but it really felt like he had it in the bag pretty early there. So it was a cutoff race. We lost four drivers now um, and, and four surprising drivers uh in my mind you know i know a lot of people were discounting uh austin dillon as not really making it but i i really thought that he had a a chance to make the round of 12 um and he really did halfway through that race uh he he was he was getting there but the other three i think are really shocking harvick reddick and kyle bush now you know struggling to kind of think of a way to kind of tee up here i guess the way i'm going to do this is let's start with kyle bush when he wrecked or or not wrecked when his engine blew up yeah um me and my friends always joke around dale jr we always say engine blowed up that's what you used to say (laughs) back in the day um his engine blowed up were you hoping because then it became the numbers game like who could pass guys on the track or whatever i think it was cindric was the one that was his dagger were you cheering for him to make it or were you cheering for him to miss it? Like all bets aside, I don't know if you had a future yeah. on him or anything like that, because I feel like in that moment, NASCAR fans, you're either like hardcore hate his guts or you love him. But the in-between people, yeah, I'm anxious to kind of get inside the psyche there. Are you cheering for like one of the best drivers in the game to make it? Or do you want him out, you know, to, to see what the chaos unfolds in the next round? So like I like no, no, like all all cliches and puns aside, I was very in between on this because what like I used to I grew up and I like I hated Kyle Busch. I hated everything about him um, being a Hendrix kid. Like I really was not all about Kyle Busch. The older I've gotten, the more I've kind of learned to respect him and what he's done for the sport. And, and he seems like a very nice human being. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of people who've gotten like free merch, free tickets from Kyle Busch. So he seems like a really good guy. And like I started to like him a little more. And there was a part of me that like, I didn't want to let go of this Joe Gibbs era of Kyle Busch. So a part of me was rooting for him to get to the next round, but also like I've been riding Austin Sindrick, like almost since Daytona when we last, last spoke Phil. And he's like been like in some of these matchups, he's gotten me a lot of money. And so I was just hoping he would kind of sneak into the next round. I've kind of started to become like a closet Austin Sindrick fan a little bit. So I was totally cool with that. I also like track house. I'm a Chastain guy. So I wanted Suarez in there. Like if Ryan Blaney had to fall out or something to, to, for Kyle Bush to get there, Alex Bowman. Cool. Like I'm, I'm okay with it, but um, I was really in between there, man. I, it, it, I, I didn't want it to go out the way he did. I wanted him to go out racing. If that means anything. For sure. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's what a real race fan would feel, you know, Aside from the emotional aspect of it, if he's your guy or you absolutely hate him, you want drivers to decide their fate on the track. If you're, if you are a shit box for two races, (laughs) three races in a round, you deserve to be out. Um, And the thing that stinks is none of the guys who were eliminated 
in this round that happened, right? It was because they had problems that were outside of their control. And that, that is a shame. Now this next round, we'll finally see some, you know, people, you know, not be able to race their way in, I'm sure. Uh, but this round, you could argue all four of those guys yeah. were caught up in other people's stuff or as mechanical failure, catastrophic, yep. you know, situation. Um, and, and that's sad to see. So, but four people had to go. Uh, I mean, Harvick had a, a great round going. Yeah, he did. You know, I mean, he, he had good momentum, maybe not a great round going, but he had speed in all three races before yep. Yep. he went out. Reddick you know, leading in, in Kansas and blown tire and then getting caught up in Suarez's mess last race, just insane. And I guess this is what they want with this uh, playoff format. So, uh, but you, you make a great point there. You want to be able to see, you know, the good drivers actually go out on their own terms and the, and the JGR uh, point that you made, you don't want to let go of that error. That's a phenomenal point like i haven't thought about that but that's probably in my you know mind somewhere when i was watching mm -hmm. that go down so it's a good point yeah yeah so moving forward and, and i don't want to skip over austin cendrick um mm -hmm. this is maybe a good segue i don't know but i gave you the heads up beforehand we're gonna play championship pick here i'm mm -hmm. gonna just gift you a hundred dollars Right. I could just put it into your sports book account right now. Sure. You have to play it on a championship pick. Um, do you play it on one of the guys who are shorter odds because, you know, you just have more faith in the Hend excuse me, the Elliot's, the Hamlin's, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Larson's, or do you take a shot? Do you see some value on someone like a Cindric? Now, before you answer, if you're a fan of Cendric, this round potentially could match up pretty well with him. Yes. I mean, he's had some success at Texas in bursts, um, small cup experience, but uh, in the Xfinity series he has, and then the Roval and and Talladega, Talladega baby, like, yeah, he's got he's got potential to sneak in. So I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Who do you go with, and and what's the reasoning for that? If you were to take one guy right now to win the championship. I have to put one guy. It, I, I'm gonna go boring here, and I would take Chase Elliott. If actually, if you gave me the, if it's my money, I'm putting it on Chase Elliott. Thirty point, thirty one points above the cut line right now. He's been so good at these at these upcoming tracks. Roval, Dega, Phoenix. At the end, I don't know at the end of the day if anyone can beat him straight up at Phoenix. That's why I would go Chase. But if it's your money and you're giving it to me, I mean. <laughs> Like you said, Cindric has been running very consistent. He hasn't been like top shelf, but he was top five in that all-star race. He was very competitive in that all-star race at Texas earlier this season. Um, made it, he's made it through Dega a, a lot. He's been good on these um, bigger tracks like that. And then the Roval, like you said, I like him there. It's plus 5,000, but I, I think the return on that would be pretty good. That's, I mean, yeah, you make a good point. It's, it's my money you're spending. So who the hell cares? So throw it on a moonshot. And if it hits, you know, we'll, we'll all be celebrating. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really thought about it too hard until now, but Cindric could sneak into the round of eight. And then all you need to do is just like catch fire in a bottle or lightning in a bottle, I guess. Um, 
and you're in the championship four, like you blink and all of a sudden a guy that you didn't expect is, is hanging around. So uh, yeah, I, I guess in a perfect world, I could see that happening, but you know, he is plus 5,000 for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I also think that Ross Chastain is dangerous at plus 900. I always think Ross Chastain is a little dangerous. He's this, this next round is as favorable for Ross as I think it is for Cindric almost too. So keep an eye on Ross. I think that like, those are pretty low odds for a guy who's also, I think top three in the points still. Yeah. Now that you, you are correct. And I guess the interesting to note about Ross was I, I would have bet money if it was a bet somewhere that someone would have gone and taken him out at Bristol. The fact that they didn't yeah. says to me, Hey, maybe these guys have just kind of gotten over it. It's been a while. He kind of, you know, he did chill out. He, he chilled chill out. out. He went to, you know, driver jail for a little bit, and, <laughs> and, you know, just minding his P's and Q's. So maybe they just like, don't give a shit anymore about it. I don't know. Um, so now he's back in business a little bit and, you know, he's having a quiet round. They're comfortable, you know, just running seventh to 10th and, and just, pointing their way in so we'll see um for what it's worth this this episode i'm i'm all about christopher bell this week for the championship you know he is just so close uh to to breaking through and he's, he's running very well so um bell at plus 900 to win the title i think is a pretty uh decent pick too but also one that's you know it's not surprising. I'm sure there's a lot of people saying the same thing about him. Um, so yeah. let's now go to kind of a rapid fire here. I did this with Chris from the flag hunting podcast a, a few months ago, and I want to do it now with you with seven races to go. I've got season win total bets. All right. I placed okay. a bunch of them to start the year. Two of them have already hit. So we don't have to go through those. I had Reddick over uh, 0.5 wins and I had Stuart Haas racing over two and a half wins. Those have hit, nice. so I'm happy about that. I've got a few left, and we'll start with the easy ones. I just want you to tell me, yes, no, they're going to hit, they're not going to hit, and, and give me a quick reason why, and then we'll move on to the next one. I'll give you the easy ones first. Uh, Gibbs, over eight and a half wins. They are at five right now with seven to go, so I would need four of the seven races to go to Gibbs. <laughs> I don't think it happens. No, yeah. I, I, I love Chris Bell. Like you said, I think he's dangerous. I think Denny Hamlin's dangerous, but with Kyle Bush and Truex already out, I think your, your, your pickings are slim there. Yeah. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I've kind of written that one off. Um, this is a little slightly tougher, but also more on the easy side. It's a head to head season win total matchup. So it's chase Elliott versus Denny Hamlin. The total right now is five to two uh, in favor of Elliott. So, do you think I'm in the clear? I have Elliott uh, in that matchup. Do you think uh, I'm in the clear there or does Hamlin go off on a huge run? You're feeling good, man. I mean, if it was a pick em, then I would say maybe to be a little concerned, but I think Chase Elliott's going to dominate a couple races. I think he probably has one or two wins at least left him in him, if not more this season. Wow. All right. So, and for the record, if you did take Chase's win total for the year, you would have hit um, running away at this point. I think it was three and a half. So, Very nice. Um, all right. Two tough ones. I talked about Bell, how I'm a, a fan of his for this rest of the year. I've got Tyler Reddick over Christopher Bell, 
four wins this season, and I currently am in the driver's seat. So I've got Tyler Reddick up 2-1 on C-Bell. How am I going to do in that one? Now, I I guess I could push. So am I going to win, or am I going to lose, or am I going to push? I think you're going to push, honestly, man. I Chris Bell is dangerous this week at Texas too. Like, yeah. like this is one of his best tracks at Texas. I, I, I think if, if, if he gets into the next round, especially, I think you might be in some trouble with that one. I think, you know, I, I don't think he reels off two wins here, but I think he gets one. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a similar mindset. And the last one, I took Penske's win total over four and a half. They're at three. I need two more for this season in seven races. What do you think about that one? I don't think it's going to happen, man. Okay. I, I think so. You need, you need two, you said? I need two because they're at three now. I have over four and a half. So I need them to get to five. Um, I'm holding out hope. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. That's the toughest now, one. Now I actually, I take that back. I take that back. I think sit with Cindric. I think he could get one these next three races. I think he's a favorite. Joey Logano is going to be dangerous at all these, like, like if he can make it to that top eight, he's going to be dangerous at all those tracks coming up. Ryan Blaney, like Ryan Blaney has to get a win this season, right? That's that's where I'm coming from. Like I, I still, I have not given up on Blaney. I have him yeah. as a guy that could win this weekend. He's yeah. 10 to one this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. He had low odds, like really favorable odds. I thought coming into this one. Oh yeah. I made a huge case for Blaney and, and you know, some people might be thinking like, dude, shut up, get off the 12 car. But like, I can't cause every yeah. track I'm like, you know, he's good and he, he's just had some bad luck. Right. So that's, what's going through my mind. He's got to get a win. It feels like, so there's yeah. one. And then I have faith in Logano. I think Logano could steal one at some point. So I'm not dead yeah. yet. I don't think yeah. in that I like one. that one. The more and more I sit with that at two, I think, I, I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be okay. I think you'll hit that. I mean, dude, I, I, I really, I really think Ryan Blaney has a, I mean, he won the freaking all-star race. He has a chance this week. Yeah. It, it, and it's a testament to why you take season win total bets because I'm having an absolute blast yeah. with this all season. You know, two bets have already hit throughout the year. That's a nice little payday. Um, and I still have all these to like root for. So even if I'm throwing money on, you know, Chris Bell, if he doesn't win the race, it's just another race that I've got, you know, Tyler Reddick and that it's just your, your mind yeah. is going a bunch of different ways. So next season, you know, I, I tell you what, if, if you haven't bet on the season win totals, you got to do it. Cause it makes things so much more fun. Um, so it sounds like we're on the same page. I, I got some work to do with the Penske, but, uh, and, and Gibbs is, we're writing that one off, but, um, the others, I'm, I'm definitely in the ballpark, so um, I'm still feeling pretty good. Now, uh, did you have any? Did you take any season win totals yourself this season, or I, not? Really? I didn't. No, I, I didn't. But now I'm kind of jealous that I didn't. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm starting to actually plan out our 2023 back road schedule. I'm like, okay, I think our first episode that needs to be it because, oh, yes, were there track house uh, season longs available for you on that? So, um, not that I remember. Okay. But the thing was they had them. So they put out um, most of the big teams. They did have team like Penske and all that. And they okay. had 2311, which I, I stayed away from, but I know, I think uh, our boy Rod had them. Yeah. Um, yeah did. But uh, I don't think they had track house originally. 
Now they may have added them like right before the season. And I had already, like my mind was already like away from that. I was like, you know, okay, we're moving to Daytona in, in my stuff. So they may have appeared on the books like the week or, or a couple days before Daytona, because once Daytona hits, they take that away. Um, so I'm not sure if they put it up or not, but you better believe they're going to have it next year. Like, you know, yes, sir. they're, they're going to have all of them next year because think about it. Like, you know, RFK getting a win, you know, track house and, and it's just wild. So um, yeah, you, if you need a guest for that episode, I'm your guy. I, I love yes, this stuff. So let's look ahead to Texas and we're going to get into a, a face off here about head to head matchups. Um, what are your thoughts on Texas? It, it gets a bad rap for, in my opinion, really good reason. I'm a, you know, big time, uh, not a hater, but like, I'm more like a disappointed parent. Every time we go here, I get excited for it. I bet on it and the racing just doesn't really live up to it. Now, as a gambler, you could say that there's some advantage because it's kind of, you know, cookie cutter and, and things kind of yeah. usually are predictable. Now, what's your mentality when you see, okay, Texas is next up. Are you, you know, one to 10 on the excitement scale? What are you at? I'm at like a cold three and a half. Man, Texas. <laughs> I, I, but I was that way for Richmond. I I've been a Texas hater and a Richmond hater for years and years. And I, I've never understood why we've gone to these tracks twice a year. Um, but I was delightfully surprised by Richmond earlier this year. So maybe Texas this time around can surprise me. It didn't at the all-star race, um, but maybe you can turn it around this time. So how do you break down? Like when you sit down and you try to, you know, handicap this race or try to find an edge somewhere, is, is there a certain data set that you're looking at? For example, you know, I'm not looking at anything before the repave. Um, so that brings me back to 2017. It's like the last Texas nine Texas races. Um, do you weigh heavily towards, you know, previous at the racetrack? Are you looking heavy at this year? Kind of a 50, 50 split. Like where's your mind at when you're looking at this track and, and who's going to be good? So I weigh about four things when it comes down to it. And when it came into Texas specifically, I looked at the all-star race while all the drivers weren't on a, a, a fair playing field, I would say coming into, I still think it's valuable information. Charlotte, I'm looking at Charlotte. I think it's a very similar track to this as well. So I encountered, uh, encountered the uh, Coca-Cola 600 um, into that as well. And then uh, recent performances, I, I went into recent performances. I wanted to look a little more into that. Um, and then I also looked at Texas, Texas as a whole in two different history data sets. One just being Texas since, um, all re all uh, drivers in this race ha have been in in it. Um, so going all the way back, you know, to when Kevin Harvick started, and then also uh, since 2019, I, I feel like the racing got a, a little different. That was um, stage racing had been around up for a little more at that point. So 2019 and up was the other data set I looked at. Um, so it's history of Texas, th th this race, All Star race, Charlotte, and then recent performance as well, Phil. All right, that's good to know. I mean, and and I love that talking point i love hearing that from people because you know everybody's on something a little bit different right and that's i i it's fascinating to me that's what i love having that conversation because in my mind the all-star race is important to know that blaney won like he was able to go get it done and, mm -hmm. and look good doing it larson won last year's all-star race went out and won you know, the race. So there's something to right. it a little bit, but I'm not right. throwing 
all my eggs in the all-star race basket just because of how wonky the race is and invert the field and all that. But, you know, there are some points to take away from it. And um, the fact that you're going like all the way back too is, you know, interesting to me. I had not thought to do that, to see like, you know, full history of drivers and how that weighs in. So um, any early leans, I'm not asking you to give out like, you know, straight up picks or anything like that, but anything that's kind of, you know, guiding you one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the books did a really good job on this one. Honestly, Hamlin, Larson, Bell, and Elliot as the top four favorites. That feels very right to me. If you would have asked me to pick my four favorites right off the bat, that's where I would have gone. Um, Something to keep in mind here um, that seven of the 10 playoff drivers did finish in the top 10 at the all-star race. So they're familiar with this track, even with the next gen car. I think pit crews are going to matter a little more too, as we're going down the stretch here. They've played a big, big factor in this. Um, Got Chris Buescher that win last week. Um, Great call by his chief as well. Um, And I'm also going to be looking at uh, this being just the first leg of this segment. I think people can be a little more aggressive than they could have been um, towards the end of last segment. So I am leading Blaney a little bit just for outrights right now, plus 1000. I think that's a really, really good deal for him. I'm also looking at Chris Bell and Chase Elliott too. Not really in the outright market, more in the top five and the top 10 variety. Um, DraftKing also has a nice little special on them, both top five for plus 330. I would like those odds a little a little better. I would like a little nicer payday from that. But those are kind of the guys that I'm really keying in on here um, coming into this race. Yeah, I, I actually mentioned that earlier as well that that combo with with elliot the, the plus very nice 330 i mean and i felt the same way like i i love the weekly specials uh because it's fun oh, yeah but yeah i i think that the odds should be a little bit you know skewed more towards the gambler like 330 is not phenomenal but um you know it is what it is those guys are, are favorites and it's just the math i guess works out in their algorithm but um yeah i i like everything you're saying there, I'm in a similar mindset with, uh, you know, all of those guys that you've mentioned. Um, so let's get, let's get into some face off here. We'll talk head to head matchups and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll move to the, uh, the outro. So um, for anyone who hasn't listened before my little shtick here, when I have a, a guest, I'm lucky enough to have a guest on. I like to get into head to head matchups there and do a face off a nice game. Uh, gamify this whole thing on Sunday. So um, I'm going to default to Seth. Uh, he's going to choose. Does he want to go twice or, you know, give me the the ball and, and I would go twice. But at the end of this, we're going to have three head-to-head matchups and we're going to be on either side of the matchup so that we're going to have uh, a best of three series essentially on Sunday. So when Seth goes, he's going to tell us the matchup he wants, what the odds are, why he likes it and, and where we can find it. And I'm stuck with whoever he gives me. And then I'll do the same thing back to him. So uh, does that make Seth? Does that make sense, Seth, before we move forward? And then do you want to go twice or just once? Absolutely. I will go twice, Phil. I am prepared. I am ready for this. Um, <laughs> I've been watching some of these matchup shows and and you, you've come out pretty good on some of them that I didn't think you were going to. So uh, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the odds in my favor in this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm on a bit of a cold streak. I lost last week to Tony Betts to uh, locks don't lie. And we threw a little extra stakes on that because he was from Minnesota and loves the Vikings. So we said, all right, the loser of the 
face-off has to bet on the other guy's team for Monday Night oh. Football. So not only did I lose the face-off, I put money on the Mike the Vikings plus three, and of course my Eagles spanked them. But I didn't yeah. even like you know catch a little uh, luck there either. So uh, just a, an overall tough week for me last week. So I'm out for some revenge. Um, so first matchup, who do you got? Let's kick it off, and uh, we'll see who I'm stuck with. Yeah, so I'm gonna take the just absolute layup here that DraftKings has given us. Ryan Blaney minus three thirty over Chris Busher at plus two seventy. <laughs> Um, it doesn't get any easier than this one, Phil. Ryan Blaney, he's very good at Texas. Um, 54% top 10 rate throughout his career, 23% top five rates. So almost one out of four races here, he's getting in the top five. Over half his races, he's getting in the top 10. He's led the second most laps here since 2019 as well. So Blaney could get out in front of this one. He could dominate it a little bit. And Chris Buescher, man, no top 10s for him here in his 12 starts at Texas. So I apologize to have to do that for you, to you, Phil, but that is a layup that I'm going to take. Dude, first of all, we've done this now for like a year and a half. I started doing this, I think, last year, like as the summer was starting. It's like something new, trying to get people to come on, you know, anybody that listens, jump on. and. There have been bets like this out there and no one has ever jumped on it. So wow. props to you, you know, you're, 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 you're sticking me with a, a busher here. I have no idea why this is a matchup. Like these two are sometimes with the matchups they're connected, you know, maybe they had beef on the track or whatever the case, right, right. What is the purpose of throwing this matchup out there? I do not know. This is indefensible. Busher, the, the only way Busher wins this matchup is if Blaney runs into yeah. trouble, which yep. it happened yeah. last week. You know, it, yep. it's happened a lot towards the end of the regular season for him, you know, but I'm a believer in Blaney this week, so I, I can't talk him down too much. And, and like you said, I mean, no top tens for Busher, one top 15 uh, yeah. in the last nine races, four top 20. So he's not even in the top 20, yeah. 50% of the time. Um I, I don't know why they're putting this matchup out there, but uh, my hat's off to you for, for, for going with this one. So can't argue there. Um, all right. So I guess I really need to hit something out of the park here uh, with mine. I'm looking through. Um, I had one teed up and now I lost it. So I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin over Kyle Larson. Um and my reasoning for that, I mean, obviously Hamlin is the favorite uh, for a reason here, but the thing about it is, you know, looking at Hamlin, right, in his last nine starts at, at Texas, uh, one win, two top fives, three top ten. So, you know, it kind of either been like you're either good or, or bad. Um, he knows how to get it done here. He is picking it up. It's more about current form for me with Kyle Larson, excuse me, with uh, Denny Hamlin. He is starting to mold into that championship form. Green flag speed, mile and a half this year, the four comp tracks, Vegas, Kansas, twice in Charlotte. He's second in green flag speed, which I think has a lot of people's attention. It's why he's you know going off as the favorite. Larson, still top 10, but further back in ninth in that stat. Um, just overall, Hamlin has it going on. Larson, I I want him. I, I've been betting on him, 
but he's been, you know, hurting me. Uh, and I know I'm giving you a guy who won twice here last year, but last year's Kyle Larson is not this year's Kyle Larson. As we're figuring it out, he got passed under green for the lead by Brad Kozlowski last week at Bristol. Like that's not the Kyle Larson that I know, right? Like what, where is that guy been? So he's been kind of muttering around in like the seventh place. And, and sometimes, you know, his top five numbers are like minus 110. Usually he's struggling to get that. So I'll give you Larson bit of a risk, but I, I fully believe in Hamlin and the Toyota crew this week. I, I'm a you know big believer in Toyota. Um, so what are your thoughts? You can't be too upset with Larson, I'm sure. No, I'm not thrilled. I mean, that was a really good pick for you. That was another one on my list I had circled as well. Um, the only thing I can say about Larson is, I mean, if he can get out to a fast start, maybe it's a race he can control. He has the best average starting position among all drivers this year at 7.9. So he's been qualifying really well. If he can get out to a fast start, um, maybe we can see something. And he's been decent lately. Like, let's be honest, he's been decent. He hasn't been killing it. Um, he's kind of ran towards the, the back half, the top 10 a lot lately. Um, but you know, like you said, he has won Texas a couple of times in, in recent years. Um, the, the biggest thing hurting him is he was pretty bad in that all-star race. He, he wrecked out of it, did not finish. I also don't think he finished, um, or he did pretty bad at the, the Coca-Cola 600 there at Charlotte as well. Um, so that, that is definitely a concern for Larson. I was fading him a little bit coming into the week, but like I said, if he can qualify well, maybe he can get out to a better start and uh, improve on the finishing position that he's had. Because because when he doesn't win at Texas, it's not pretty. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one that I'm I'm really paying attention to because like as far as we talked about championship bets earlier, both these guys are kind of in a similar spot, six to one, you know, five to one area uh, for the two of them, and I feel like. Hamlin is going down like shorter odds as this season goes. And right. Larson's going the other way, just yeah. because I'm not seeing that, you know, speed and I've, I've been betting on. Him. So if Larson yeah. can win this matchup, uh, like on the track, no like act of God or anything like that stepping in, uh, then I'd be kind of more inclined to take him next week uh, or well, maybe not a Talladega, but in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So last matchup. Going to you, you've got the hammer here, the third one. Who are you taking? Okay, and can I? Can one of the drivers we've talked about already? Can can they be involved in this at all? So, Skybox did that to me, um, okay. and after that, we kind of outlawed it. But if you don't have okay. another one lined up, we will nope. allow it. We can. No, nope, I can. No, the the one I was going to go with, which I, I will not. I'll save this for another time. I'll bet it on it on my own. But okay. <laughs> Chris Bell minus one Oh five over Larson minus minus one ten. That's where I was going to go. That's another one. I really like, we've kind of talked a little bit about Chris Bell. I think people should be betting on him a lot this, this weekend, no matter wh- whether it's in a matchup, a top 10, some of these DK specials we've talked about already too. Um, so that's great, but let's, I let's will... not jump off that yet. You, okay. you make a great point. Okay. How is he the underdog in that matchup at this point in time? I don't know how, and I can't see, him getting like further odds, like plus 100 or anything like that after qualifying. Because if you look, I'm all over Chris Bell. I'm not a, a pole uh, qualified better usually, but my guy Ryan Stevens puts out great stats. And, yeah. and I've been waiting for his stats because I've been all over Bell 
And I think plus 800 to win the poll, his average starting position this year on the mile and a half is 2.8, like two polls already. He's going to start really high up there. He's only going to become the favorite in that matchup, right? So you got to jump on that. Great call out. And to be honest, I should have taken that as mine. I mean, three races at Texas, two top fives for this kid. He's been better than Larson at the all-star race at Charlotte. Like he's really, really good here. And I mean, Kyle Larson's okay, but he only has, a, a, I think, two top fives and 14 starts here. So it hasn't been great for Kyle Larson. So yeah, I, I would recommend everyone listening to this to, to jump on that as soon as you can before this it, it corrects itself. I'm, I'm going on Derek's show Wednesday night and we kind of changed the format of it. And he's going to say like best bets, little spoiler that that may be what I go with. Cause I, I fully yeah. am embracing that. So great call out by you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Phil, I will save you that one then. And uh, we will go with, this is a pick em, and people might not like this one as much, um, but I'm going to go chase Elliot against Kyle Bush here. This is both minus minus one ten, and I get it. Kyle Bush is the King of Texas. That's what we all think. Um, but, I think recent performance has a lot to do with this call here. Kyle Bush's recent finishes in the last five races that he has finished. So I'm not counting any of the DNFs and there's been a lot of them lately, Phil. Um, but last five finished races for Kyle Bush, average finish position of 17.6. Okay. So that's currently like this year you're talking about this year. Yes. Okay. This year at all tracks this is not, not Texas, anything like that. Just when he's finished races, his average finish is 17.6. The last five he's finished. Chase Elliott, same stipulations, 6.6. So he's consistently, when he's not DNFing, he is finishing in the top 10. His worst finish is 11th um, of those races as well. So I get it that that Kyle Busch is the king of Texas, and people think maybe he's going to come back, be a little pissed off. But I really realistically don't think he's going to get like the backing from, from JGR anymore. Like I think they have more important things to worry about with bell um, and Hamlin. And that's kind of the way it's gone all season. You know, it seems like those guys have the better crew, better, um, better team overall. So I think that's where it's going to go. I think chase Elliott's going to, going to be a competitive car here. 54.5 top 10 percentage here throughout his career. So one in every two races, he's at least top 10. The great point you make about, the, the backing from Toyota, the backing from JGR. This is going to be super interesting um, because there's definitely politics going on behind the scenes, whether we want to, you know, they want to admit that or not. Um, it, it, there's stuff going on. They already took his crew chief, or his, uh, his pit crew away from him and gave it to Denny, right. I believe. Um, so there's that, right? He, he, had the best pit crew in the, the stable and now, you know, he doesn't have that. Um, so you make a great point. The, the rebuttal that I would have is on the mile and a half this year, he's been great. And his average finish is 8.8 in those four races. And that is with a 26th place finish at Kansas two weeks ago. Um, before that, he was like third, second, fourth, top five machine you know, their green flag speeds have been pretty equal, but chase his average finish in these four tracks is like 20.8. So he is not finding the, the thing that I've been saying about chase for a while now is like, he's finding ways to get it done. That is why, you know, he, he takes a, a car that's a, a 15th place car and he finishes sixth. Like that's what he's been doing great at. It seems like he's not doing that at mile and a half. Um, 
So that's why I would feel confident with Kyle. I'm not upset that I have Kyle, but I am very interested to see, you know, are we going to see a huge drop off like in performance? Does he even care? You know, cause he's, he's like a, a kid sometimes when, when he reacts mm-hmm. the way he does. So it'll be interesting. So good call out. I think the intangibles are there for chase uh, still in the hunt, still a championship driver. So um, I think you made the right choice, but we'll see what turns out on the track. But, you know, if Kyle brings it and the team still yeah. wants it, yeah, this will be a tougher matchup than we think. Yeah, I absolutely agree with this one. It was, it was a little bit riskier on my list. It was about my fifth one down. And I think it just comes down to like all the other matchups. It's really hard to fade some of these other drivers. Like I thought about taking Chase over Logano, but just Logano's recent performance compared to Kyle Busch, it's, it's harder to fade him a little bit more. So that's, I guess, why I, I went with, you know, approaching the, the Kyle Busch factor. Um, but yeah, it's just so hard to face any of these other playoff drivers who are still in it competing for a title right now. Yeah, it's a great point. So just to recap what the faceoff is, we've got um, Seth calling out Ryan Blaney over Chris Busher, who I end up with there. I'm going to need a little luck for that one. Uh, and I'm taking Hamlin over Larson, who Seth gets. And then in the final matchup, Seth is taking Elliott, and I'm getting Kyle Bush. So keep your eyes peeled for the graphic of the tail of the tape out there on Twitter. Let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, we will see what happens on the track. So um, I know Seth, you've got some other things you've got going on tonight, podcasts to record, probably articles to write. Um, so any last thoughts on uh, Texas and uh, you know, the rest of the year here? Yeah. I mean, that, I, I think the biggest thing to think about is, we're going to get frustrated. I've kind of been in a little bit of a a veteran rut actually, like since Daytona, I just, things haven't gone my way. I've had the second place driver and outrights about four last five races. Xfinity included has, has not kind of gone my way recently, but let's just continue to enjoy this time. You know, we only have NASCAR for a couple more months here and it really kind of is this equinox that Phil pointed out. We have NASCAR, we have football, um, MLB playoffs are starting soon. So it's a really cool time um, to, to be involved in the sports media field, the sports betting scene. So I'm thankful for that. I hope uh, people who are listening to this, I hope they're thankful for that as well. Um, and, and Phil, I just want to say thank you to you as well, man. Um, this is a pleasure being on with you. You have a very interesting format for your show. I've always been a big fan of it and I'm excited to see what you can t- continue to do uh the rest of the season here my friend i appreciate that seth and and thank you for making the time um and and yeah i mean we were talking up in lancaster you know try to pick your brain the off season about ways to try to make the show better so um hopefully we can connect on that but um yeah i appreciate joining me where can people find you one more time the the different places they can connect with you yeah absolutely so i am uh under at between underscore seth ff on twitter um, our company is at IBT underscore media on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube in between media and our website in between media.com. Thank you again, Phil. Absolutely. All right. Well, good luck at Texas and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you. See how we make out. See if we have our pockets lined for Talladega. Thanks Seth. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the full tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening as always. And thanks to our guest, Seth Wilcock from in between media for joining us this week and 
get those bets in. Let's hit some big ones because we got the big one around the corner with Talladega looming. So we want to have some full pockets for that. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next week for Talladega. Place to go. Hell no place to go. Hell no place to go.